The year is 2020, and so of course, MSU lost in football to a school people refer to as Butkers. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by my two co-hosts. First, the man who tingled a bit every time Matt Millen said cocked on Saturday, Kevin Greck. And second, the man who is writing Bill Beekman to say that post-Rutgers loss, Mel Tucker should have to go to every swimmer's home, look him in the eye, and say... MSU thinks so little of you, they'd rather pay me to lose to Rutgers than finance your dreams and passions. Alex Plum. Greckers, I got more rage texting from Plum, so let's start with you. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> do we need to do a wellness check on Plum? I, I mean, sure, we can, we can go to Plum first. Plum, I know you're heated. Uh, give me something positive. What's good with Yali, your golden retriever? Oh, actually, she's uh, she's she was doing great until Saturday, and then uh, <laughs> on Sunday, real bad diarrhea rolled around. And I think uh, I don't want to say the two are are, uh, are are causal, but they're definitely correlated. <laughs> it just never ended for you. Basically, it was just diarrhea all weekend long. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, so uh, Yali is symbolic of the year and the state of MSU football. So well, not uh, Yali in total, what's <laughs> happening with Yali's butt is, is symbolic <laughs> of what's happening with MSU football. Point. Yali well, is a delight. And a before treasure. we get into all of that, uh, we do want to say thanks for tuning in, I guess, right now. Um, if we could ask you, uh, share the podcast with Spartans in your life. Maybe this will give them some joy. Uh, you can give us a follow on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, please, please rate review and subscribe to the show. Smash that subscribe button as the teens say, uh, Greg, uh, share with the folks what they can expect out of this fine episode of can't read, can't write. And maybe, maybe we should just, I know we try and keep it PG 13, but maybe we should give a uh, preemptive who knows where the language is going to go warning. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. Why not? Uh, be advised, things might get a little heated because we start with football, <laughs> and then then we go into basketball. We talk about uh, all the great news over the weekend uh, with the MTEs going on in basketball, including uh, in Orlando, where presumably two events that MSU was going to be uh, participating in were canceled. Uh, then we go off Grand River. We're probably not going to have time to talk a whole lot, and then get into Michigan game week which will be fun. And then Twitter questions. All right, gentlemen, uh, who wants to start here? Let's start with football. Sorry. Obviously, the sport yeah. that leads will head behind the green wall. If you hadn't gotten it, Michigan State played Rutgers, the team that since joining the Big Ten, uh, well, it hadn't won a Big Ten game in 21 straight games. Mm-hmm. So mm -hmm. then they came to East Lansing and they beat Michigan State. You're Spartans. Uh, who wants to go first? Raise your hand. Well, I can't see either of you. I thought about uh, starting this week's broadcast with last week on Can't Read, Can't Write, because I think how I summed up the game summary was if we lose to Rutgers, be sad. 
Uh, and not only did we lose to Rutgers in such a way that you could possibly justify it, it we lost to Rutgers convincingly. So uh, be not just sad, be properly sad with the outcome of Saturday's game. Plum, what about you? <clears throat> I've prepared a haiku. <laughs> fumble, fumble, turn. Over on downs, interception. Fumble, oh God, why? That was the um, that was the first half of the, uh, of the mission. <laughs> yeah, I've got a haiku for you for the second half. Drink, drink, drink. What is it? Is it three, four, three? Or nope. What? Listen, man, the name of the podcast is Cannot Read, Cannot Write. Okay? It's too highbrow. All right. Go, Jonesy, what about you? What are your thoughts? What are your insane ramblings going down our our outline here? Just talk. Go ahead. So I noticed a thing happening on Twitter. I noticed that people were using player numbers instead of their names. And I want to say kudos to making it so that it may be making it a little bit harder. Like, not really, but a little bit harder for for these student athletes to see all of the negging that was happening on Twitter. But fortunately, uh, this podcast is not searchable and to the best of my knowledge does not have <laughs> an audience that includes current players. Uh, and and while I have some thoughts on the players, let's start with the coaching. Because I remember my first college football game as a Spartan that I watched. <laughs> Interestingly, it was against Greg Schiano at Butgers. And I watched John L. Smith piss away any talent on his team mm-hmm. and lose. And I couldn't help but feel like I was watching the same effing thing. I, I mean, <laughs> the play calling oftentimes was unimaginative. There were moments of exciting athleticism that would give you some semblance of hope for what this team could be. Yeah. Yeah. But then there was idiocy, for instance, on one series in which they ran it up the middle four straight times. That's right. Four times. <laughs> Turnover on downs. Well, I- what did what did our head coach Mel Tucker say last week? They want to run it even when everyone in the stadium <laughs> knows that they're going to be running it. Yes. I mean, that we, we chalk that up as a D'Antonioism, but apparently it's true. Um, apparently continue. he thought oh, well, this time they surely will not see the run coming because it's the fourth time in a row. I mean, you can track plays in which case, shocker, passes were working and the run wasn't. And and you know what? That's not necessarily Mel Tucker's fault that our offensive line does not have a push, that you can put that squarely on D'Antonio. But the fact of the matter is that you had... You had months and months in which all you could do was watch film from D'Antonio games. And you could clearly see this offensive line couldn't move a JV football team. Like, I, I am 
baffled <laughs> as to what they thought so had so dramatically changed with not only the the core of the like the linemen that no one is excited about because they've been here done that and are not good but then the backups to the linemen that people felt that way about in the first place so like what the hell is Matt Carrick doing on the field why is Connor Hayward running back at not even starting the game Yes. And and I'm tired of people in the press saying, well, there's a lot you can do with Hayward. He's got a lot of skills. And I know we've been guilty of some of that here, too. But, like, let's be very clear. Connor Hayward is a terrible running back. He's not good. Full stop. <laughs> like, maybe he has talents, but they're not as a running back. So why is he starting the game? Yeah, uh, Connor Hayward had seven carries for 18 yards, one of which was a nine yard carry so that means that he had six carries for nine yards um and, and I mean, in fairness in fairness our guy eli collins the people everyone would have assumed was a starter had an even worse day now he didn't for three yards yes with a long of four did not and look terrible pass coverage yes Awful. he didn't look great though you, you can watch the game over again and i assure you a lot of his lost yardage, not his fault. Mm-hmm. It was that O-line getting blown up. So, uh, I mean, and then the one, so the play calling was unimaginative, mm-hmm. not great, played to our worst capabilities. And then I really liked that Mel Tucker had some aggressiveness. He went forward on fourth down a number of times, but there was a point in the fourth, was it the third or fourth quarter? I think it was either late third, beginning of the fourth. We're down eight. Michigan State is in field goal range. And Mel Tucker opts to not kick the field goal and go for it on fourth down with a run. I think he went for it on fourth three times. Two prior yeah, to that. Two, just two. Oh, okay. Two turnovers on downs. Great. Thank you. Oh, no, no, no. He went for it on fourth down three times. Oh, and one of them was a touchdown. Yeah. And that was a passing play. Yep. So the two times he ran it, we have a turnover on downs. And instead of kicking the field goal, which would have made it a five-point game, which means the next time Michigan State ends up getting the ball, we're playing for a win. Okay. Like, I, I am baffled by that decision. I'm not baffled by it. it. If you were watching the game at all, they needed a spark. They needed something. Yes, points on the board the ball. would have been a spark. A field goal is not a spark. As far as I'm concerned, that is like the seventh pro- a problem down. <sighs> the major problems are things like Rocky Lombardi is clearly the guy and it's not even close. Because even though his measurables were fine, if you just look at them in a vacuum, he was obviously not exactly running that offense. Uh, the offensive line is garbage. Connor Hayward starts and ends up getting, I mean, not as many carries as you know a starter normally would. Simmons ended up getting more carries as a result, but there were no exciting things to really point at here. Um, maybe oh, you can say to be excited about, but like maybe Jaden Reed as a wide receiver, but he had as many fumbles as he had touchdowns. So I don't, I don't know that that's fantastic. Um, I mean, the wide receiver core may be 
it in terms of things that we can be excited about on this team. But the defense was okay at times. But I was watching the game with someone that also very much disagreed with that field goal uh, or skipping the field goal there. To me, it was like the fifth problem or the 10th problem. There's so much more that I would point at before that field goal or skipping that field goal for going that field goal than that moment. But you're welcome to disagree with me. Plum, what do you think? Uh, you have to forgive the dog with the squeaky toy in the background, but frankly, that's the state of my uh, blood pressure right now. So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I guess, you know, one of the questions I have that I've been trying to wrestle with still is, is how much to blame D'Antonio for this? Uh, I don't know if you guys listen to ESPN radio, the big Drew and Jim show. Um, they really let D'Antonio have it um, and, and sort of said that he left MSU dirty because he didn't leave behind an offensive line to, to really do anything. Um, I appreciated this analogy. They said he came in, he sat at the poker table, amassed a ton of chips, and then he spent them all, left none to Mel. Michigan State let him spend his chips down. Um, and what, he, what they meant by that was that, you know, he, his first few years at Michigan State, he developed players. He took three and four stars and turned them into players that could be successful beyond the program. Um, and in the last, the last three or four seasons at the helm, I don't know if you can say it that much. Um, I said his staff got to keep their jobs after the first few years, but but basically lost the responsibility to, to develop players and to turn them into a program, into a product. And the offensive line completely demonstrated that today. So, you know, you're right. Mel and the team have had nothing to do over the last several months but to just watch film. But frankly, what do you do when you, you have an offensive line that, that everybody has two left feet? Some of the guys only have one foot. So I don't know... I, I, I don't, I don't know what more could be done. Um, you know, Will Hunter absolutely took the offensive line apart. Um, these people, you know, again, good for him. Good for all these, uh, you know, Twitter tweeters out there who are, you know, using their numbers and not their names. But the truth of the matter is, and I'm sure they are ashamed of themselves, but it was, it was very, very, very bad. Very not good. So some of the players that we were excited about to see on the offensive line either didn't play or didn't effectively contribute, right? Like, didn't Dobbs not play? Like, do we know what's going on with that? Yeah, so, I mean, what are our editorial standards here? Uh, Right Uh, now, they're low. Yeah, okay, great. Oh! So there's some speculation Speculation. that there's a handful of people that were just did not dress. Um, You know, there you could probably surmise from some of that um mm-hmm. that some of those players may have covid mm-hmm. um you you saw after the game i believe it was chris solari who's the beat writer um for uh for the detroit free press tweeted something to the effect of um before you go sort of bagging on guys uh re- you know keep in mind some players might have covid um, it, which is also to say that some players who played may well have had to have missed a lot of practice right before the season started because they had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you well, weren't we told continuously by this coaching staff that they were happy with the way the practice was going and scheme was getting across to guys and they were focusing on conditioning and those types of things. Like clearly that was a lie, Right. Either they they can't evaluate a team and they don't know. I mean, 
a coach, a good coach should have looked at the team that they were fielding on Saturday and said, this is not going to be good against a big 10 opponent. I mean, two of the guys from the big 10 network on the broadcast picked Rutgers. Do you think that they picked Rutgers not against the spread straight up? Do you think they picked Rutgers because they, they just decided to give Rutgers the benefit of the doubt to start the season? I doubt it very much. I'm betting they yeah. looked at some film this week. They talked around the league a little bit. And we were sold a bill of goods during these press conferences. But inside, they knew that this was not going to be a good game. Am I wrong about that? You're yeah. absolutely right. Well, I mean, I think I would add one thing, though, is that I suspect some of those guys might or whomever. I don't want to assume that they were guys, but whomever picked Rutgers may have known some things, mm-hmm. I, you know, and and today I hear and I heard this and, you know, I heard Graham Couch on his radio show and then in the post game sort of video he does with Chris Solari say that he had heard the run game wouldn't be good. Graham Couch is running a radio show three times a week and writing a column uh, once or twice a week on Michigan state yet nowhere. (laughs) Is there ever a hint or indication that the run game might not be good? So either you're full of shit and you're saying it on the back end to make yourself sound smart, or there's a whole lot of innuendo and rumors that gets dropped to reporters and just nothing ever gets printed. And that may well be the case, but it's, it's, it's just largely BS. Like, well, it's disingenuous to drop it the way he did. Yeah. And that's par for the course with Graham Couch. So <laughs> being su- being surprised at that is being surprised, you know, that that this game turned out the way that it did. And I guess shame on us. And I will take my fair share of shame for having uh, prognosticated uh, that this would be the safe win and that we would continue to go on to win four more times. Um uh, gentlemen, is it unfair to speculate that we're going to have a winless season? Well, that we're going to be the worst team in the Big Ten this Maryland season? Maryland looked bad. Maryland looked properly bad in their game. So we got that going for us. I, and I think also, we're going to beat Michigan. So <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a few things we can say, at least. I mean, look, I've, I've got a lot of rage and anger and frustration and i'm sure the players do too Um, yeah you've been sedate during this whole segment i gotta tell you i'm a little disappointed i thought i was getting hot jonesy this is like lukewarm jonesy i don't think you're really that upset about the game i don't think you care that much I, i i think you probably really like connor hayward i think you think he's a great player and maybe just got you know some bad blocks yeah, he just was put in a tough position. It's not on him for being shitty. Um, anyway. I think you really like Rocky Lombardi. I think you you think he deserves so to get all of those. So this is, this is the thing that's telling about Rocky, is that, I mean, they were having success throwing the ball. But so let's talk about Rocky Lombardi's first interception. So <laughs> this is the thing that blows my mind, is that it was... It was a route that you could either go vertical or come back on. Uh, the wide receiver could do based upon the coverage. Rocky blew the read both times. But what's crazy is that it happened twice in the same set of four downs. He did the same screw up twice in the set, same set of four downs. Like, And the fact that Rocky 
didn't take any meaningful shots down the field when we have speed for the first time in forever. I don't know if it's just he's unaware that we have speed or if he's just incapable of throwing the ball that far. I'm genuinely baffled. That's his thing. He's he's supposed to have a cannon. I don't know if he's accurate at that range, but he's supposed to have a cannon. So I let's let's talk about some some high points very briefly, because I know we've got some Twitter questions on this later on, but I, I just I think it's worth pointing to a couple things. First of all, I wish he said it a little bit more convincingly, but Mel Tucker seemed to own this in his postgame press conference. Mm-hmm. Um he he certainly acknowledged that it was an unacceptable outing and performance. I appreciate that. Um, he gave a tip of the cap to Rutgers, and I think maybe we honestly need to have that conversation about maybe uh, uh, Rutgers has moved, matured past being the drunk, bumbling asshole on the Jersey Shore and has suddenly, like, you know, gotten their stuff together with Shiano back. But... Um, the the thing that's a good point, despite the number of points that were on the board for Rutgers, SP Plus, which ranks is a tempo and uh, if tempo and uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Adjusted metric, Greg. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really like the the college football metrics in the way that I like the college basketball Great. metrics personally. So anyway, I don't SP Plus is sort of like Ken Palm for uh, for football. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it attempts... It a grain of salt, by the way, yeah. everyone. Continue. Well, no. it has MSU's defense ranked 17th in the country. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, take it with a grain of salt. But the defense actually, if you take away that first drive, held Rutgers to a pretty low number of yards per play. Um, granted, Rutgers never had to go very far, but... That's also not on the defense. So, I, I mean, this could have been a different game if there were two turnovers instead of seven. Like, honestly, it could have been. Oh, there's no doubt. In, in fact, no doubt. I think MSU wins with three turnovers instead of seven. For sure. At the right time. It depends on the turnover. Some of them were just like, punch you in the gut. Like, here's seven points, Rutgers turnovers including the one that was here seven points Rutgers. um so i I didn't notice will hunter claimed in in this sort of film room segment thing that if uh you can you can assign five points to a turnover effectively on on average i don't know if that's true but if that is true msu lost 30 ish points from turnovers right Mm -hmm. 30 35 points and we lost the game by 11 points so if, if if you take out half of those turnovers to your point greg that's it We've won the game. Yeah. Well, crazily, the last time MSU had seven turnovers was in 1981, which means the chance of this happening again are about the same chances of us having a COVID experience again in our lifetimes. (laughs) Why did you say that out loud? Also, I I mean, seven is probably not likely to happen again, but this could indicate that this is going to be a very careless team. I mean... Yes, the, no, I, we I, could no. very easily end the season worst in turnover margin, which is where we're at right now, because we've got it by such a margin already. Oh, yeah. Rutgers is number one in the country right now. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, I, I just want to read to everybody 
from the book of Judges in the 16th <laughs> chapter. Samson told Delilah everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word. She sent word to Rutgers. And Rutgers came back once more and smited him. What did they do? They gouged out his eyes. So my question is, <laughs> why? Why, oh, why, oh, Lord, have you forsaken us? And more to the point, Rocky Lombardi needs to tell us immediately why he who the Delilah yeah. was in his life. <laughs> I demand to know. I write one podcast title with a biblical type of parlance and, and look what's happening. Oh, man. Look at what's what we've happening. done. Uh, Jonesy, anything else you want to say on this subject before we... Uh, no, no it, right. uh, we've got we've got questions. Do you want to talk it. about Mel's press conference some more, or or the media I mean, the, blowback to this whole thing? The one other thing is that Mel Tucker said that is true is that the most improvement you're going to see in a team is from game one to game two. Now, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think anyone on this podcast is going to be prognosticating that we're going to beat the University of Michigan. I already did, but I. If if Mel Tucker's gonna say those things, it, it, Mel Tucker is is in a position now after losing to Rutgers for the allowing them their first win in the Big Ten in twenty one games. Mel Tucker is in a position right now where he has to say things that are true, mm -hmm. and so it may be true that the most improvement comes between week one and week two. And I hope to see a lot of it. What do you think about the staff as a podcast? What do we think about the staff after a performance like this? Because this is a worse loss. Is this a worse loss than we experienced in D'Antonio's entire tenure? His en entire body of work. Is it like the central Michigan loss? No, and that then, was that was more tolerable. Huh. Uh, I don't know about that. One of them yeah, one, that, uh, that that team at least that Central Michigan team at least had a future future um Pro Bowl wide receiver on it. And defensive end. I, yeah. I believe um what's his name? Uh JJ Watt was technically on that central team. Great time. Uh um, so so there's 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 more going on there. Um, this, this Rutger team, I don't know that it has any of that. So I think we learned that they made a huge mistake with their approach to the off season. They very clearly should not have gone back to the weight room. Uh, it wasn't strength and conditioning that lost this game. It was play calling. It was personnel. It was turnovers. It yeah. was that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So... What kind of pause does that give us for the staff? I, I mean, I, I don't know that that get, that bothers me because, I mean, wh what are you going to do, right? Like, I mean, first of all, there's no playbook for how to handle keeping your team in shape when the league cancels, you know, the conference season because of a, you know, once in a lifetime pandemic and then sure. suddenly brings it back because other Power Five leagues didn't go along with the, you know, like... I mean, that's just, I don't blame Mel Tucker for saying, let's just get in shape. 
And frankly, one of the things that he said that if there's a play, if there's a drum he can beat that has some safe ground is trust my process. And I know that's like an, an overly used phrase for coaches, but if there is a process in place, and I got to believe based upon the way he's recruiting and who he's recruiting, that a lot of that in process involves getting athletes that are better than the ones on our current team. Okay. But so yeah, all right, I'm going to interrupt here. So do we really think that the, the real problem with this team in the off season was that it wasn't conditioned enough? I mean, with coach Manny, really the biggest problem in the entire football building. Absolutely not. I doubt it. I doubt it a lot, and I doubt it even more Greg, after seeing this. So he should have been Greg, should have Greg. that time differently, like Greg, other teams were. There were months that they weren't allowed in MSU facilities. Right. They literally had to be lifting bales of hay back home. Yes. Like, I'm not suggesting that they should have been doing something different with that time. I'm saying that we had this conversation on the podcast, and yes, you're hitting stuff. This is what I wanted from you. Uh, that was just I'm saying that other coaches decided to continue to do scheme, continue to do class, continue to do running routes, continue to do those types of things. And Mel Tucker said, we're treating this like the offseason right away. You know, We're going right back to strength and conditioning all the time, nothing but strength and conditioning. But the problem, especially, we didn't even talk about this, is that they're implementing a new defense? Apparently, they are. Oh, yeah. We yeah, speculated it actually, they it actually came out. We well, saw a lot of it. We yes, yes. Uh, Such as it was. So I, I guess I have a little bit of pause for the not just the play calling, but just the judgment of the staff right now. Yeah, which I mean, so maybe maybe what this tells you is that when new athletes come in, there's going to be a lot of young guys who are starting. Because uh, is that true? I, I mean, mean, we're well, already seeing that the young guys aren't starting. No, no, no. When Tucker's guys come in. OK, I mean, it, it, that's like if, if you're like, all right, we're going to we're just going to go back to the weight room and we're going to try and run this as a, as a normal show. I mean, you're not wrong. Like I, I get your point. I don't, I don't totally disagree, but um, you know, I, I can also appreciate that the way you keep your guys in tune and focused is by doing small group strength and conditioning because that, you know, that was also meant to be maybe the more public public health conscious thing to do because it was just four guys at a time and it was all the people who lived together. Okay. There, there was that piece of it. I, it, you know, sure. Yeah. I, I uh, I'm going to add here that this incoming recruiting class, not exactly probably what Mel Tucker wants on paper. So if we, if we have to wait till Tucker's guys show up, are we waiting three years? Well, Four look, years. we finally are now seeing that Harbaugh finally has his guys. And so, you know, I think <laughs> I think you just you need to wait until Tucker has his guys. And then, I don't know. Once I, he has his guys, I, you need to have his dudes there. Maybe. But what does he do with the guys and dudes he has right All now? All right. We killed it. You guys, just, Fine. you successfully killed it. You murdered it. Fine. <laughs> you murdered my boy. The O-line was garbage, that's all I'm going to say, and you've got to do something with who you have right now. If you just wait for the next class to come, the next boys, guys, 
it, you, you, what, what, what the hell was what, whatever we have today, then just get rid of them. Get rid of them and let's get some of the swimming, the swimmers that have now out of a fucking position. <laughs> Suit them up. Suit them up. Throw their asses out there. Yeah, I guess we should say uh, MSU announced that it's cutting all swim and dive. Um, Which we also speculated money. about. We yeah. uh, we called the shot on that one. Sometimes you hate to be right. <laughs> I hate to see it. Sometimes you don't care. Um, I mean, yeah, I... I, Plum, you're you're also not wrong. Plum, you're not wrong. But I, I do think, to the point you raised earlier about how much can we put at this uh, this at D'Antonio's feet, D'Antonio didn't recruit a single offensive tackle for like the last five years of his tenure. I mean, yeah, the O line's been yeah. bad for a long time. We yeah, and and by the way, when yeah. it was good, when it was good, it had a guy who was a walk on who turned into a highly compensated NFL tackle like the odds of that happening come come on i mean in fairness there were three really real i mean three of d'antonio's five best offensive line players were on that team two of which got drafted in the first couple of rounds so yes um it was uh the o-line has always been bad we've pointed at that for a long time yeah so i mean when you know when it (laughs) it's sort of uh, has combusted in on itself like a dying star, I mean, I don't think we can be shocked. So, um... You know what I can't say? Yeah. Uh, that D'Antonio used to love to say after week one, you gotta keep some in the tank, you know? You gotta, can't show him the whole playbook. That's a classic D'Antonioism. Can't show him the whole playbook. Uh, I mean, uh, I... The right entire spot. team was on display other than potential COVID holdouts. Like Jaden Reed's clearly the guy with Naylor uh, and, and Dotson getting receptions after him. Because do we know what's happening with Trey Mosley? We don't. He... Okay. Um, and uh, I mean, the running backs are poor. That's why Connor Hayward. Well, take the first few snaps we should talk about freshman blocks. Jordan Simmons. Freshman Jordan Simmons looked amazing when he had his eyes open. At times, yeah. But he's a liability in other areas. Yeah, I mean, just, he he clearly was very fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, look, I I think someone needs to shoot Rocky Lombardi a text, maybe make him a a, a TikTok, um, shoot him a tweet, and just say, Julian Barnett, not, sorry, not Julian Barnett, uh, Jalen Naylor, is fast period throw ball deep period he will catch period that's what i got um let's chat real quickly about some of the basketballs uh yeah you mentioned this grek uh but for those who have not heard Michigan State was uh, supposed to play what's dubbed an mte or a multi-team event uh, you oftentimes see these as tournaments, but sometimes it's just something like the Champions Classic. Uh, they had two slated, the Orlando Invitational and the Champions Classic. Both were slated to take place in Orlando on Disney properties. Um, ESPN has canceled those due to apparently disagreement about the schools being able to comply with health and safety requirements mandated by the folks at Disney. Yeah. Um, it sounds like, uh, 
some of the reporting I'm seeing is that the Champions Classics at least will be rescheduled somewhere. So someone else is going to pick that up for two reasons. One, it's easy to do four teams or easier than eight. And two, who those four teams are, are going to be very appealing to some other venue or event. Um, so I, I think the Champions Classic will get announced in a week. I'm, I'm betting. I'm calling the shot on that one. So the Athletic uh, quotes Clint Overby, a vice president of ESPN Events, as saying, uh, at the end of the day, our bias was towards safety and making sure that what we pulled off was in the best interests of the sport. Now, that is a statement right out of the NCAA's playbook of just disingenuousness and idiotic nothing. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing to say that. It is inane, as inane as it is asinine. And in fact, if anything has been demonstrated by every sporting event that has happened since COVID began, it is that safety and the best interests of the sport are at irreconcilable polar opposite places. So you can't serve both, you dumb, dumb idiot. You can't. And the point of that is that this isn't happening anymore. You absolute boob. God. Yes, because the best interest of the sport is for everyone to pack into a stadium. Right? Like, that's what's best. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Oh. I, I'm going to, anyway, I'm actually, my... I'm going to take the devil's advocate position on that. This is a no. year where the best, the best interest of the sport is that you have to play basketball. The NCAA isn't going to be able to fund anything. Like, you oh, don't think agree. that it's sad what's happening to teams now? Just wait what happens to teams if they can't get another NCAA tournament off this year. There's going to be no Division Two, no Division Three, anything. There's going to be no NCAA sanctioned anything. I mean, right. no, no one Plum's cares about saying- the bureaucrats in Indianapolis. But if you care about the sports long term, there is a degree. I know what Plum is saying, uh, but I'm saying there is a degree, excuse me, to which you have to accept that basketball needs to be played this year. Don't disagree. It does. It does. But don't make up this fool, these foolish aphorisms as if somehow like, oh, 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 you're right, Clint. Thanks, Clint. No. All right. Okay. So uh, what does this mean for MSU? It means they're probably going to host an event, right? Because we're starting to see that among other larger programs already and a large number of mid-majors and other teams are shopping around for a place to go. Uh, So my bet is now that this is opened up on the schedule, Bill Beekman hit the phones today and started putting together something to bring other teams to campus, probably four teams or six teams or something. I bet you Izzo called up Campy and said, you want to come over here, bro? Well, I think wasn't, wasn't uh, Oakland already on the schedule? Oh, maybe. You're typing. I can hear that. Mm. But, I mean, they haven't come twice. I mean, it, I, I, my guess is they pull local. Yeah, hey. could be. Well, you can't bring in Michigan. That's off the table. Sure. Can't bring in any other Big Ten team. So it, it would have to be Horizon and uh, whatever whatever leagues the Chicago teams are in now or Mac but, or do they cancel or yeah, you could bring a Mac. 
Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea for if, if MSU could make it work out to have any mid-major that you, you want the mid-major that that's hoping maybe they could get to the tournament, not the mid-major from the conference. That's pretty sure they'll get to the tournament, but the one that's like, we got an outside shot because then you get a quality win. And those, those teams are going to have a hard time finding multi-team events yeah. because it, people aren't going to want to mess around with them. So, well, the teams that were already on that schedule too might be able to get picked up. Uh, right now, when you go to the men's basketball, <laughs> the official men's basketball uh, schedule in msuspartans.com, it's just uh, Spartan schedule, no upcoming events available. Because <laughs> <laughs> we still don't know what's going on with the Big Ten ACC Challenge or the Gavit Games. Oh, so, uh, Gavit Games. We're down to nothing now. So, <laughs> um, the next time we record, are we going to, when's the draft? Are we going to have draft news? Mm. No, it's for another couple weeks. Ah, uh, right. Three weeks, maybe even. All right. I bet Clint Overby will have some draft news. <laughs> for the All safety right. of our student athletes. That's okay. I'll, I'll this, let it go. Uh, this has been a very long green wall segment, but I don't know what you do when you lose to Rutger. Um, so with that, before we head off Grand River, a quick word from one of our sponsors. Mortgage rates, folks are at very near historical lows. And so our partner, Brandon Sands, wants to let you know uh, that if you're paying 4% or more on your current mortgage or you're looking to buy, Brandon Sands may be able to help you out with that purchase or refinancing your current mortgage. Brandon has closed over 10,000 loans and works for one of the largest mortgage lenders in the country, guaranteed rate. Brandon sets himself apart by taking on a consultative approach. Ad copy here says, share personal experience. Grek, go. We close this week. I've, I'm going to have a new mortgage here soon. Yeah. The nice, uh, the nice uh, notary public lady came to our house. We signed documents for all day. Uh, and, Socially distanced? Uh, yep. We had a, it was raining, so we had to do a whole situation where we set up uh, right off the deck with the doors open, a ventilated dining room uh, signing situation. Now I'm talking about it on the podcast. It's fantastic. But it was very easy. Very easy process, a lot of electronic signatures, uh, very little back and forth. It was, uh, yeah, it required very little of me. So if your home interest rate is above 4%, call Brandon Sands. Idiot. Just yeah. do it. Just and call Brandon Sands. Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. I did it. It worked out for me. It'll work out for you. And you can consolidate other debts sometimes in that loan, which I didn't know was a thing you could do. So if you want to find Brandon, you can go to rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. End of ad copy. Let's head off Grand River to... Oh, I wish someone had come up with a different story. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. It's gonna be a rough episode. Bounce, bounce. So, uh, I want to talk about the University of Utah, um, because this past week it was announced that uh, the University of Utah had settled a, a lawsuit or a claim um, with the parents of Lauren McCluskey, who was a track and field athlete with the University of Utah, who reported over 
20 times that her ex-boyfriend was stalking, harassing, and threatening violence to her. Um, And after 20-some reports, the school uh, didn't do anything, and ultimately the ex-boyfriend killed Lauren. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a tragic story and one that I think... You know, I was excited that her parents or I, not excited. I was I was uh, I felt happy that uh, this story continues to get told and that her parents were able to uh, reach an agreement wherein the university publicly took responsibility. Um, and it was it was also exciting to hear that all of the money is going to a foundation that was set up in, in Lauren's name. Um. And even though I think only $3 million of it was technically earmarked for that foundation. Um, and uh, the, the one thing, though, about this story that somewhat bothered me is that the University of Utah laid the feet at a lack of training and protocols. And I just what baffles me about that is that a, a young woman saying 20 times to personnel, including your own police department, that she fears for herself. And that goes unacknowledged on it, like with, without any consequence is, uh, is quite bothersome. And, and the reason she broke up with this particular boyfriend in case anyone is curious is that he lied about his name, age and sex offender status. So I, I don't know, Greg, if you have additional thoughts, yeah, but but it, it it to me this is actually a story about that that believing women is very important, and that the University of Utah, despite shelling out a significant sum of money, still still can't message that the problem they had wasn't about training or protocols. It the problem was about not believing women. Indeed, so, I, I mean it's Plum. You're you're welcome to hop in here because I know you were part of these. Uh, discussions during your time on campus, but I I think that um, at the very least it's a good thing. I don't think a settlement like this would have happened 15 years ago. You know, they would have pointed at, you know, we acknowledge each one of these complaints. We only have such and such jurisdiction. Something, something, something. It's a good thing that universities have progressed to a point. There's unfortunate things that are happening right now with this Department of Education and the rules that it's changing on Title IX that are concerning. But the good news is that generally things are trending in a in a direction of better believing victims or, or survivors. If at the time when you put in a when you make the complaint. Would you be a victim or would you be a survivor? At what point do we use what term? Help educate me at this moment, please. You're always a survivor. Well, okay. she, she, she didn't survive this, it turns out. I think right. one of the things that, that is most frustrating to me here is that, yeah, you want to give Ruth Watkins and the, the lawyers at the University of Utah some credit for, for accepting yeah. responsibility, but, but they have to. And, and, and I think that that flies in the face of, of, by the way, what she said in December of 2018, the University of Utah president, who said that in her review of the case, she couldn't find a single thing that would indicate that the death could have been prevented. 
Now, either you can't read, which we all can't, <laughs> which is why we're talking on this podcast, or you're as dumb as, I don't know, a certain uh, ESPN Sports vice president, maybe? So <laughs> my, my concern here is- Clint's that, out there like, why you got to bring me into this? Not, not again. Oh, I made one statement about, <laughs> Jenny Little about basketball. Right. Bring me into this. No, he won't say that again. Um, <laughs> It, it, it is, it is, it, it's just this disingenuousness. And, and I think, I think one of the things I'm so upset about, and I know, you know, we're not going to bring politics into it, but it, because it, it's a political issue. It's a sports issue. It's, it's just, it's, it is the lack of honesty. It's the lack of vulnerability. It's the lack of authenticity, the lack of transparency. That's what all of this is. And it's just as frustrating if it's Mel basically lying about how crappy we were going to be on Saturday against the Rutger or it, something much more serious and much more solemn that involves the death of a young woman whose death was entirely preventable. Yes. Ruth Watkins yes. lied in December of 2018. And so, yes, the University of Utah came out and basically tried to uh, salvage what little bit of respectability they might have left. I hope other universities learn from it. God knows Michigan State is trying from the lies we've told. Um, yes. But yes. I think that's what's most frustrating about this. No, and that's and that's well said. And it, you like – I, I I think it's it's important that that we tie it back when we when we have the opportunity to talk about stories and uh, sad, tragedies uh, such as this that um, we are coming from a place of of we know all too well the at least the the frustration anguish and pain of a university lying and representing the rest of uh, you know, the community at large. Uh, certainly we don't know anything uh, related to the individual pain of, of survivors or victims in this case, but um, it is, it, it, it's, it just, I, I don't know. Plum, I don't think you're wrong about the disingenuousness, but the, the, it, it the, the problem of first order here for me is just <laughs> literally believing women. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it, it, you know, cause, it, cause, it, cause this, the statement after the fact is disingenuous, but the problem up front is that no one, no one believed, believed her. her. Yes. It, yep. it, she had a, she had a sex offender ex-boyfriend mm -hmm. who, you know, she made multiple complaints and, 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 and it just, that breaks my heart that, that there were people in a position to do something that she, that she reached out. I mean, cause there, there are plenty of stories of people who, who, sadly, it's, I don't, I don't, I feel like that puts too much of a judgment on it, but that for whatever reason don't reach out, and yeah. you know, for for pressure or or shaming or all all bad things because people should feel empowered to seek and access help, and this is a tragic story that reinforces all of those narratives that that lead people to not seek help, and yeah. and so you know. I'd like to applaud the University of Utah for paying, but to your point, they should. And and shame on them. Yep. Anyone I'll got say. anything funny to say here as we transition out of this? Let's talk about cookies for a second. And then, okay. and then, uh, and then, you know, I'll crack you, a beer. That'll all be right. Fun. All right. Our next, yes, actually, we've got a whole lot of, personal stories to tell because our next sponsor for can't read can't write is preserved homemade 
It's a goods and provisions store bringing you tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. Their website just launched, which includes their first drop of goods, uh, a lineup of staple cookies, seasonal pies, and cocktail cherries. With pre-ordering available for Thanksgiving slash Friendsgiving pies, local only to the Michigans. Um, the You can check out their Instagram page at preserved underscore homemade or head to their website at preserved-homemade.com to treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness. Uh, I believe it's bi-monthly ordering that's available. So there's sets of goods that are available on a bi-monthly basis and you, you set submit your order there. But I think we can all share a little bit of a personal story about Preserved Homemade that um, I think we're all pretty pleased with. Plum, I'm going to turn it to you, buddy. Because you had, you had a, a text in the group thread that was... Uh, New York Times level review esque. <laughs> I'm glad you said that and not unhinged, um, because I, <laughs> that that would have been equally um, equally appropriate. You know, I will say, and I've been consistent on this for as long as you know I've known me, which is that I prefer a chocolate chip cookie. All right, I don't. There, you know, there's a lot to be well, said. Let's, for a, let's say, let's just say up front, uh, we all received some unexpected preserved homemade in the mail, right? Uh, Yes, this 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 uh, artisan. I think we can safely say the chef is an artisan at this point, given the quality of uh, of the craft. Uh, did a solid to the host of this podcast and gave us some product to uh, to sample to kind of put our uh, our real money where our mouth is when we when we talk to the when we talk to the product. And I have to say, uh, we got a ton of different options. We got some uh, some chocolate chip. Uh, well, Greg didn't, but that's too bad for Greg. We got uh, we got some uh, some some varied uh, autumnal flavors, which I think were quite good. Uh, there was this mm-hmm. peanut butter that was out of this world. But for me, you got to keep the basics the basic, and the chocolate chip cookies with this touch of sea salt. I I don't know what to tell you other than every single every single bite was a new experience to the point that by the time I got to the end of the cookie where you sort of have marginal declining, you know, returns on taste utility, uh, you, you didn't have that with these cookies. The last bite was in some respects better than the first. And then mm. when I went through all of my cookies, I went into a very dark place guys. <laughs> <sighs> I, I know that, that feeling. Uh, I had, I had more shame because I, I was leaving a cookie of each, like I kept, I ate cookies and then I justified to myself, if I just leave one of each type for my wife, then right. that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, she only needs a half of each one. Oh my right. God. Just leave a, you know, enough to assemble one Franken cookie. Probably. <laughs> uh, Greg, how was your experience? Really good. And that is a Greg <laughs> review of food. Wow. Really good. All right. Uh, anyway, you can, you can again. Uh, you can check out their Instagram page at preserved underscore homemade, or head to their website at preserved dash homemade dot com. Just treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness. Um, before we head to our Twitter questions, we of course now have game previews to do. Um, Greg, mm-hmm. tell me about the university. In Ann Arbor. Oh, well, you know, Joe Milton wrapped up the Heisman Trophy on Saturday. It's over. Everyone else can go home. It's Joe Milton for president. 
I actually went back to the county courthouse. I extracted my ballot. I reached my slender arm into the ballot box. I pulled it back out, erased what I had on there before, and wrote in Jill Joe Milton for president because that's it. It's over for everyone else now. Um, He's that good. No, yeah. I mean, actually his numbers are pretty mediocre. He was kind of like the opposite of Lombardi. I thought like Lombardi's numbers were better than the team's performance and his numbers were worse than his team's performance in terms of the running game. Uh, they did pretty well. Uh, Haskins, uh, 82 yards on six carries long as of 62 or 66 yards, I think with two touchdowns, uh, Charbonnet four carries, 70 yards. I mean, this is where, um, and Joe Milton himself was, was pretty active, uh, in the running game as well. So that's kind of where they ha- might have their bread and butter for the season is in offensive rushing. Um, in terms of defense, defensive run game not as strong they gave up a lot of yards to ibrahim for uh for the golden gophers um 140 yards two touchdowns would you say they need to worry about us running the ball on them mm, mm -hmm. good good thing we have such a good offensive line we'll Mm -hmm. really take advantage of that indeed indeed so we'll see. I mean, the line opened up for U of M at 23. It's up to 25 now. I'm going to call that enthusiasm from the Michigan fan base. I'm taking MSU in the points in this thing. Having watched both teams play 60 minutes, I'm still taking mm-hmm. MSU and the points. Um, but also MSU just straight up. I think MSU is going to win this game. You, this is also from a guy who took uh, uh, Penn State forks down. Um <laughs> Listen, that dude was out of bounds on that. You still took you still took the points, man. That dude was out of bounds. Uh, forks down for life. They never <laughs> should have. I mean, can you imagine the super spreader event that happened in Bloomington? Um, Kirkland was apparently was must have been just absolutely nuts. So many Bismarcks must have been sunk in Bloomington on Saturday night. Um, but uh, yeah, I think MSU is going to win. Uh, I think they're going to win on, on Saturday. So Yeah. Uh, oh, and they're not good at the field goals. That's uh, No, they great. missed all three field goals, I think. Goo. Great. So if MSU's defense actually is maybe okay, which maybe they are, I, I think this will be a test of that question, right? If, mm-hmm. if MSU's defense is okay, maybe they'll miss some field goals. Um. So that's the real matchup to watch is MSU's defense against Michigan's offense. Uh, that's that's the and kind of MSU's high quality analysis. Game. And MSU's <laughs> running game. Against, yeah, the other yeah. matchup to watch is MSU's offense against Michigan's defense. Yeah. High that's quality analysis. That's what the people come here for. Um, now, uh, we are going to hear quickly from a not a sponsor, and then, uh, unfortunately, the dear Alex Plum will not be able to join us for Twitter questions this evening. Uh, so, Alex, do you want to let the people know about the money you brought to Can't Read, Can't Write this week? You know, I'm good for it, you guys. Uh, this week's episode of Can't Write, Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by New Balance. Known to many by the quaint and clever numeric names assigned to their shoes, New Balance are known more for their stability than their form. 
from the Garrison Keeler stylish 574 to Coach D's 608s, known more for that dad bod practicality than anything aesthetic. One thing all New Balance shoes are known for, running. That's right, running. Slowly, stably, functionally, plotting. Just running. Mm-hmm. Not kicking. Never kicking. Not on the fourth down. <laughs> No, no, just running. Slowly, and let's be honest, poorly running. New balance for teams who don't kick. (laughs) Thank you, New Balance, of course, for being a not a sponsor to this episode of Can't Read, Can't Write. Alex Blum, go green. Go white, boys. All right, now that we got rid of that Plum guy, Greg, what do you want to say about him? You know, I don't care for him. I don't think he's that great. I think he's a little bit too highbrow and literate for the likes of us. <laughs> Certainly too literate for the likes of knowing, us. Knowing how many uh, how many syllables are in a haiku, I know that you jumped in on that as well, but I'd oh, like come to on, think man. that was Let's just go. his influence. You know? <laughs> I don't do haiku. I do a poem a day, but I don't do haiku. You know? Oh, boy. All right. Uh, let's go to our Twitter questions. And let's start with Raymond Chains, who starts us off easy. Mm-hmm. 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 This week on the D'Antonio show. Yeah. The coach feels overwhelming guilt after drunk dialing Mel Tucker to gloat about his inability to beat Rutgers. <laughs> or after an explosion of the cyclotron, the coach finds himself in an alternate reality where he coaches an offensive driven, an offense driven SEC team known for cutting subbar players and coaches. This version of D'Antonio has been fined repeatedly for insulting the refs. So we've get we get either a uh, we get either a uh, uh, Doctor Strange D'Antonio, or we get um, you know like fun drunk dialing uh, D'Antonio. And you know oh, what? but feeling guilt about it though. He feels it's coach feels guilty that he. How would you? Away. How would a? Uh, how would Mark D'Antonio make amends to Mel Tucker? In that situation, Jonesy, in that episode, maybe maybe pitch uh, pitch some additional catchphrases. He's like, I know you got relentless, but have you considered heave? I I'm picturing a crossover where he does a separate he redoes the explosion at the cyclotron and goes back in time and recruits better offensive line players as a result. And that's the final episode. He goes back. He find he just like. You know, knowing what he knows now about how our offensive line is going to turn out, he goes back and re-recruits different guys across the country. And uh, and then we beat Rutgers at the end of the episode and everyone's happy. And it's not the reality at all. We're still stuck in 2020. Can you imagine a reality in wherein we don't lose to Rutgers? Because I can. And that's the reality that should have always been. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to say I enjoyed... Um, uh, a, a podcast, a Rutgers podcast that that we follow and follows us on the Twitter machine tweeted us an appropriate amount of time after the game to say, have you considered renaming your podcast to can't read, can't write, can't hold on to the ball? <laughs> and, and they fully acknowledge that there's literally nothing we can say to them without it clearly backfiring on us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yes. Thanks. Somehow, Raymond, you stirred up my feelings of rage once again. Um, 
Next up from Raymond. Take a deep breath and tell me if you don't see yesterday's. Go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. Let yourself let yourself go. Boot effing <laughs> as perhaps a teaching lab for Tucker to instill tempo play, aggressive offense, and to test his players. It's so much lamer when you just like hold and then you lose all your resolve. Um, yeah, I. I want to make it clear if it hasn't already. I don't think the jury is out on Tucker. I mean, Wait, it's you unfortunate. Do, you do think the jury's out, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. See, can't read, can't write, can't be a lawyer. Can't either. get idioms. Um, can't do any of it. Uh, so I, I think we'll see how he reacts to this. This is a lost season one way or another, and this is the time to do it. So... Uh, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot that could change between week one and week two. And, um, yeah, maybe there's a, there were tempo plays. I mean, we had some of that. We saw more tempo in this game than we ever saw with D'Antonio. Uh, and we saw an aggressive offense. You would describe anything as aggressive? I mean, they went for it on fourth down. You really hated them for it. That's aggressive. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that as aggressive offense. Sure. You're talking about play calling, individual play calls. Yeah, like, I, I don't Anyway, but I mean, to test his players, for sure. I mean, you know, I was watching the game with my father and he kept saying, you got to see what you've got. And I'm like, well, you could have kicked the fucking field goal, but <laughs> you didn't. But I mean, I do think there is something to, on some of this, just seeing who you can kick keep around and you know something that we may a reality may we may see in front of us is players being processed out of the program do you, do you disagree well some of them already tried to be processed out of the program and were unsuccessful in that so um yeah then- next up from raymond chains <laughs> Uh, can we get a very specific analysis of why the O-line has diminished from the worst, from the best to worst in five years? Maybe we should just admit it's inexplicable. Raymond, I think actually it's not inexplicable. I think Mark D'Antonio won the lottery with one O-line and then, but was never that good at recruiting for it. Yeah. Well, Uh, he kept around a coach that was never that good at coaching for it either. Yes. Um, Neither recruited nor coached. Yeah. I mean, Jim Bowman was viewed Michigan State as a pension check, something that he collected in retirement. Former like, coach, former coach Jim Bowman. Yeah. Made no attempt at getting another job the day that he got fired, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just straight former coach. No longer a coach anymore. Yeah. Just can't the- believe I've been coaching this long. Big biggest mistake. yeah, changing his Twitter bio to former coach the day he got fired was the biggest middle finger he could possibly give to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was literally none, there was nothing left in the tank, and if and if D'Antonio had been around another year, so would he have. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, last up from Raymond Chains. What's the likelihood that Tucker is nothing but a walking PR campaign and a charismatic grifter without any real play calling ability? He makes one or two improvements here and there and then goes elsewhere. Well, I think it's. I think that's fine. I mean, I think. Well, let, let's not call him a charismatic grifter, right? I don't think yeah. that's fair. 
I'm this if he makes one or two improvements and then goes elsewhere, that means that he won. He ended up winning, right? Isn't the purpose of a head football coach to produce wins? I mean, you want it you don't want to mortgage the entire brand, the whole program. Certainly, I'm not advocating for that, but are are we seeing with PJ Fleck the effect of just like in enthusiasm? The yeah. The PJ Fleck is enthusiasm. That well, is all does that, make, that he is. Does that make Scott Frost a charismatic grifter who didn't leave town in time? Yes. Okay. That's okay. the other side. That's the other side. So I think I've wondered this for a long time is if with a head football coach, if you could get away with just a guy that can recruit and lead a program and leaves the X's and O's to his coordinators, his high pay coordinators, which MSU has right now. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, if you could make a program out of that, because Mark D'Antonio was a guy that was micromanaging and everything. I know we got really, the fan base got upset about you know, his offensive schemes. That was D'Antonio. That's what he wanted to do the whole time. He was a football coach that involved himself in every element of the game. Everything on the field reflected D'Antonio in his view of football. So I, uh, I think it could be done in this way, but you just have a charismatic guy as a figurehead that does recruiting, brings in recruits, leaves the play calling to his uh, coordinators. And in some ways, don't you want that kind of delegation? I think I do, right? I mean, that's kind of a Herm Edwards sort of approach. Uh, I'm just the CEO or the chairman of the team. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't... I think it's a, a bit too dismissive and and insulting to say that that's Tucker is nothing but a walking PR campaign and a charismatic grifter. Like, I, I don't think that's, I think it's, that's overly unkind. And, um, it, he's had, he's had success plenty of places and, and, you know, in, and in fairness, he's had success at position coaching jobs and at coordinator jobs, which are not, not, some grandiose CEO sort of responsibility where, you know, you can be kind of above a fray. Like he's had to be in the weeds and he's done that well. Yeah. And, and, and by the by, you call plays doing that. And he's done that well at an elite level. And I don't want to suggest that I think that he is this anyway. My answer was my meandering answer was, I think it could work even if it was true, you know? Sure. Um, yes. So anyway, but, Yes. Uh, move on to CT and TC. First question. How well do you remember the Bobby Williams era? I mean, not, I, I know the, I know the, you know, the broad strokes. I know the, some of the finer points. I, I don't think we got to go back to the Bobby Williams era though. I mean, I think. Yeah. CT, if you're looking to make a dig, you don't need to go that far back. <laughs> yeah. you, As you the could, Big Ten Network kept reminding us. In, incorrectly, by the way, that this was the first game without Mark D'Antonio since 2007 or whatever. Dude had a heart attack and was not coaching games for a couple weeks in, you know, 2010 or 2011 or whenever it was. So that the line that they kept dropping him wasn't even correct. Uh, but I mean, if you want to look back at MSU's last unsuccessful coach, I mean, John L was as unsuccessful as it gets. 
right? And, and also, you could say, I mean, after that game, you could say, how well do you remember 2019? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, think back to the Ohio State game where what the in the first four drives, we gave it up two times, just killing any momentum we might have had. You know, it, with an unimaginative offense that kept trying to run the ball despite really not having the skill set to do so. With Connor Hayward, <laughs> like I mean, I just I don't think you need to go that far back. But again, it, building off the last question, we're not there yet with yeah. Mel Tucker. Next up from CT and TC, who would you replace with Rutgers? Uh, who would you replace Rutgers with if you were in charge of the Big Ten? Do I have to? I mean, that'd be my first question. Is I know it's popular to dunk on them for sports, but they're they're actually a good school. But if I have to, Pitt. Oh, why? I mean, it has nothing to do with Narduzzi, just location wise. Like it makes it makes more sense than the Rutger. Yeah, MSU got into the Big Ten over Pitt, so there's precedent. Yeah, we can finally uh, hand them an olive branch. And I'll uh, I'll say it because you won't. Notre Dame. Um, Next up, CT and TC, because this is for you. What's the best part of living in New Jersey other than being, you know, your state school being one or no in the Big Ten? And you know what? I've always been a fan of state schools. Um, I mean, it's pretty. Like, I, I, New Jersey gets dunked on a lot. I really dreaded having to move here and uh, ends up being, I, I kind of like it here. It's, it's actually quite nice. Uh, more in common with Michigan than you would imagine. So you hate it. Uh, next up from CT and TC, <laughs> go to drink after a hard loss or after a big win. Uh, hard loss, uh, if if it's really going to change my drinking pattern, is probably you know a brown liquor of some sort. Well, we just um, experienced the hardest loss that we're gonna this year because expectations have been reset, so they don't get harder than this one. Yeah, childcare really kind of interrupts a lot of this. Yeah. Um, and I was with my folks, and so I felt like I had to behave. I mean, I couldn't throw my hat nearly as often as I wanted to. After a big win, I'm I'm just going to keep cruising what I'm drinking, you know? Uh, maybe I do a shot to celebrate, but that's usually a couple hours later when, like, you know, I'm really feeling it, feeling good. How about you? Uh, the answer appears to have been the New Belgium multi-pack that I got from Costco right before the game because... Uh, I was a liberal with those things uh, on Saturday. <laughs> All right. Uh, next. Oh, go ahead. Go After ahead. a big oh, win. Yeah. What's a big win? Uh, same. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, next up is Snoopy season nihilist. Uh, I know this seems like nothing after the disaster we just witnessed yesterday, uh, but new basketball jerseys, fire, ugly, or Matt. Did you see these? I did. And do you want to explain or, you know, describe them for the audience? Yeah. So, um, on it, they're an asymmetrical Jersey They're yep. you know, we saw the white, uh, which I think the green is largely the same, but it's got the, how would you describe that sort of the, maze design? Yeah, that, the Greek throw- trim that they're trying to incorporate. Yeah, that's a throwback to the trim of uh, the, you know, the 2000 team. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that goes up one side. And then on the opposite side is no such trim. And on the short is a Spartan helm. A big one. Yes. Um, Relatively larger than the Spartan helms that you've seen on the basketball shorts before. 
Yeah, so what did you think? I thought I would take the meh. I mean, we know what the best is. The best is the script state. Yes. The 79, the magic. That's the top. There's no beating that. Um, and then I, you know, it's all sort of downhill from there. I, uh, I kind of prefer Spartans across the front rather than it's a state in the Nike font of state. Yeah. Um, I think I prefer Spartans. I've learned now that I've seen it both ways. But there's no beating the script state and uh, we shouldn't ever expect to. So it's yeah. a meh. It's, it's fine for me. I, I don't yeah. care. It, it's it. Look, it's 2020 on the list of things to get worked up about and care. And I would say that before and did say that before we lost to Rutger. So mm-hmm. uh, next from Snoopy season nihilist. So we're going 0 and 9, right? Or is Maryland bad enough that 1 and 8 is a possibility? Oh, Maryland is bad enough. I don't know. I said it earlier. I don't know if anyone caught that game, uh, but Maryland is bad enough. Um, so I think yeah. we I think we win more than one game. I don't I, I mean seven turnovers is catastrophic. I'd like to believe that we saw some things on this team that if Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson are true to the word and they end up calling plays to our strengths, that we we will do okay. It won't be good, but we'll do okay. This is a perfect question for you. Uh, the most depressing slash worrisome moment of the game, the most positive. With an added f- note, please help me find some positivity. Yep. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, because it, it changed as the game went on. Uh, when I when I saw Connor Hayward starting, uh, that was <laughs> definitely a worrisome moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that that decision to not kick a field goal uh, was worrisome about the decision making and how you're going to motivate your team through the remainder of the game. Uh, and, and, and then to to run it there when you so clearly have not been able to run the decision to go back to an inside zone run over and over and over. I, that all was worrisome. Um, but I do think we saw it. Greg, I, I think you would agree with me here mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time. It feels like we have some genuine playmakers on this team. Like you sure. I know Jaden Reed coughed the ball up twice, but the dude was dynamic. They kept going to him for a reason. Yeah, I mean, he had an inch of space and he turned it into at least a yard. I, I mean, he found space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really exciting. Uh, Jordan Simmons, I know there's some there's things to not be thrilled with, but dude had a gear that I hadn't seen in a while. You know, Rocky Lombardi, Lombardi not knowing to throw to Jalen Naylor on the go route because he's that fast. I got to believe that's going to be tightened up. And so we just, we have speed for the first time. And so that to me was something to be, to feel encouraged about. And they, they did implement a new defensive scheme without, I mean, I know Rutgers scored 38 points, but that's, it's not on the defense. Yeah. Rutgers had one successful, meaningful drive. I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, there's nothing you can do with seven turnovers. You're just not going to win with seven turnovers. So 
It doesn't it doesn't matter. If you're playing anyone, you're not gonna win with seven turnovers. Uh well, actually, that's up, not true because the last time Michigan State turned it over seven times, they won that game. It was a different time, Michael. Snoopy Z's a nihilist. Uh, is out of questions. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Next up from Garver, Anthony Garver. Back. Uh, and, and wait, real quick. We got to say, Anthony had a kid, and we're very aw. excited for you. Little that's, Vincent. Aw. Yeah. That's so great. Congratulations. Just in time to see this chaos unfold. So, congrats, Anthony. We're very, we are genuinely very happy for you. But here's your questions. Uh, predicted spread for next week. We already know what it is. I think you, you're already yeah. aware. Uh, and will we match the seven turnover mark? No. Um, it's 25. It's up to 25 now. And there's no way. Oh my God. There's no way. Right. If we do, uh, this podcast is going to turn into a different podcast. We, we won't be covering sports any longer. We'll Get just read. take the most depressing topics that skirt around politics and that's all we'll talk about we will pretend already (laughs) (laughs) all right next up from anthony garvert what is the most exhausted you ever remember being in your life and i know why he's asking but i'm curious for you greg uh i i i don't know i I think i this is the moment to hand it over to the parents i mean go ahead jonesy Tell tell our non child rearing audience what it's like. To I don't know. See, that's the thing is that I don't uh, I don't remember being exhausted from the moment that you're living in. I don't remember being exhausted from parenting. I mean, it it I don't know the the highs are <laughs> it just it doesn't get tiring. But I think I maybe had a good kid too. So um, or an easy one anyway. Not good is yeah. the right word. Wow, that's a super slight. Yeah, it is. It, uh, Garvard. I don't know if you heard that, but Jonesy said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in uh, truth, before we started recording, I was telling Greg that uh, not going there. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I had to learn I, that lesson the hard way. Um, that you know, you know what you shouldn't do? Shouldn't uh, make jokes about your friends' kids. Um, oh, they don't take that well. No, no, it doesn't go great. They hate it. Did you know that? They mean, hate it. People don't have a sense of humor. Oh no! About their kids? No, it's a no go. <sighs> next up, I didn't. I learned that the hard way, for real though. Uh, next up from Garvert. Uh, obviously, a slew of things went wrong: fumbles, poor route, poor route reads, lack of QB pressure, poor OL play. Uh, which of these is the most fixable issue right now? I don't know if it's fixable, but just statistically, fumbles. There will yeah. be less of them. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I, you you can't turn the ball over. That's the I, whole thing. I also think the poor route reads probably gets buttoned up. At mm. least at least the thing that where because Jalen Naylor had the right read both times. The safety was tracked. It was trapped on a guy run up the slot. The corner had to stick with him. The corner didn't stick with him, so he went go. He's like, I'm going to beat you, and he can. And so Rocky Lombardi needs to see that, didn't see that, and frankly should have seen it because the play was called where the guy in the slot ran. It, it, it was just so bad on so many levels. So I think that gets buttoned up. That that piece, they're going to run that play again, and they'll run it right. Okay. Yeah. Next up, Elon Bloom. How much time do you think Spartan fans are really willing to give Tucker? This is a great question. It is a great question, and it's one 
that Spartan fans should get used to because that contract's not going yeah. anywhere. Get How much ready. time you got? <laughs> yeah, get ready to give him at least three years, probably at least four. With, so, yeah, three years without this year counting. Yeah, yeah. Like so th- three get normal you, football years. Get used to Mel. Mel is not going anywhere unless all of a sudden he starts winning big, in which case you don't want him to leave. So one way or another, get used to Mel. Next yeah. up from Elon Bloom. All right, did you have something you wanted to add? I, I was just going to say, this is embarrassing. It stinks. It's terrible. Nothing about it is good. Um, But it's, come on, this is, we signed a guy to what, a six-year deal at this point in time? Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is just a small piece in that story and so like we got to move on the, and and the team's moving on we got to move on next play next question next play fans were calling for Izzo's firing his first couple of years if we had the social media echo chamber then so if we had the social media I echo think chamber then autocorrect do do you, you think? think he would have been replaced well it got close. Don't we kind of know that? Don't we kind of know that he got like a talking to from the then athletic department and that there were, yeah, they were morons a, back then too. There were, a, there was a board of trustee member that will no longer be a board of trustee member. Yahtzee. They wanted a different coach. And I'm told Wanted a different coach, wanted a different coach when Izzo was hired, wanted a different coach around this time. And then over the years, became kind of a weirdly close confidant of Izzo in a way that I never quite understood either. Um, So I, I mean, the social media echo chamber is so dumb. Go on the Red Cedar message board and look back at what people were saying after that NCAA loss to uh, to Syracuse in a year where the university melted down and you still expected the football team, the, the basketball team to win games, even though there were times that Tom Izzo was the mouthpiece of the university and That's failing <laughs> at it and failing at it. So that Cassius Winston had to come in and pick up the pieces. I mean, that's where we were at. At, a, at, at times in that year. And then people got upset about them losing a game to, uh, to a very strange, very rangy Syracuse team. Um, so Great, right, the best the way social- to beat the zone is to attack the zone. And everyone knows that. <laughs> everyone knows that. You know who doesn't know that? Tom Izzo with his. <laughs> Dane Fife too, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to think about it. We know that the social media echo chamber would have been there, but I don't think he would have been replaced. I think he would have gotten through because there was pressure. What is what I'm saying back in the nineties to get rid of his around that time. And, you know, he went to the final four his third year. So, um, no, he wasn't going to get replaced, but there'd be the same idiots. As but there are now, but the, uh, the sort of allegory, if you will, and I know that's the wrong word is, is, uh, much appreciated as a reminder that everyone can take a collective chill pill. Uh, that said, <laughs> losing to Rutgers is pretty effing embarrassing. Well, it's also what Elon Bloom is saying here is that we're going to the college football playoff, not this season, but in two more seasons. Absolutely. 
Uh, next up from Elon Bloom. How close does the score need to be at U of M to quiet the naysayers? Uh, Elon Bloom, I'm appreciating that you're coming at this with uh, with a little bit of uh, Tucker's troops, you know? Yeah. Tucker's <laughs> I think the answer is 14, within 14. Yeah, if it's a two-score game, I would be, uh, you know, um, maybe, it can, maybe it's a one-score game and, you know, U of M just closes it out. I'm, I'm okay. Well, they're going to win, so it doesn't matter. Next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, on pace for 63 turnovers this year. <laughs> what would you place the over-under on, on for total turnovers? Uh, so so we've had seven. There's going to be nine games is what he's saying. 31. Um, so you're saying that Three more turnovers be... a game. Wow. Rough. <laughs> Rough. That's, that's uh, my over-under. I'm, that's my over under 31. I'm you taking, taking the over I'm taking the under on that. All I'm, right. I'm going to put it at 2.5. Cause I am afraid that this is indicative of what we're going to see for the rest of the year. There's that yeah. fear. There is that fear. Um, have had next question from the update jerk guy. And I love this. Have you ever been as upset at a loss as Valenti was after the Notre Dame upset? I don't know if it comes across to the listening audience, but that was what I was trying to draw out of Michael Jones. He told me that he put his thoughts into our outline. And when I opened it up, it was like it was it was like a conspiratorial stream of reference vomit. And I thought we were going to get that out of him. No. And it was a it was a huge letdown. Honestly. See, here's the thing about the Valenti rant that I think gave voice to a lot of people. And and that's the high that Valenti is chasing every day. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and honestly discredits. I, I don't know. People listen to us. So that is bizarre to me as anything else, but that, you know, Valenti can't come with the same energy after the Rutgers loss as he did after the Notre Dame loss. Like not every it, it's, it's the same. It's it's the Fox News MSNBC thing. Like not everything can be an outrage, and yes, losing to Rutger, <laughs> embarrassing, mm-hmm. it, it shameful. But eventually, Rutger was going to win a game, mm-hmm. and you know maybe it was against Maryland. I think that's the ideal scenario for everyone in the Big Ten. But eventually, they were going to win a game, and they were going to win a game after that. And this Rutger team is better. But the thing about the Valenti rant after the Notre Dame game was there was a comedy of stupidity errors on the behalf of the coaching staff in that game. The players clearly had some level of talent. John L was just not mentally there. And there were years of John L at that point in time. This is one game. And I can't think of a D'Antonio loss. I mean, even that Illinois game is hard to get that upset about, right? Because we dominated for one half. Do you got something better? No, I'm racking my brain over here trying to think of a worse loss. I mean, maybe maybe it's the Illinois loss because that never should have happened. Maybe it's the Arizona State loss yeah. last year. I I'm mean, the Arizona State loss maybe is more maddening than the Illinois one. I'm afraid ways. that that's recency bias, though. I mean. Yeah, but those both were, were compounded. So the other thing is there were two really stupid – in the Arizona State game, anyway, there was one particularly stupid play call on the defensive side. And maybe you can chalk it up to one stupid play call on the Illinois one. Also throwing Lewerke out there after he almost certainly had a concussion, kind of weird. Um, but 
the you know the Valenti rant a, a big part of it was you know timeout mismanagement having Drew Stanton who's a guy with legs throwing in a monsoon right like I mean there were just stupid stupid systemic decisions that repeated themselves that it's just different going away from Ju Colgrick. Um, it's not clear yet that we have HR Puff and Steph Collin plays yet, and that's what's yeah. important. I mean, yes, I think I think if you're an Ohio State fan, when we beat them in 2015, that's as close as you could get to a like a game. It's not our pain, but like the decision to not give the ball to Zeke in that game by Urban Meyer is still baffling to me. Oh. I think it was a great decision. Uh, <laughs> next up from the upper deck jerk guy, how dark of a winter will we have? We haven't. I, I think in, it's I'm rough when the upper deck jerk guy is bringing us all kind of not happy questions. <laughs> <laughs> He's normally levity on the podcast. Uh, oh boy. I, we got basketball coming, baby. It's all good. Well, do we? There's currently no scheduled games. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Sawyer Like Tom. So y'all are plugging cookies on the pod, which begs the question, what's your favorite cookie? First of all, inappropriate use of begs the question. Second of all, we're not (laughs) plugging cookies. We're plugging an artisanal maker of seasonal treats. And the answer to the question is, uh, the goop from the Matrix can be packed into a cookie form and then consumed, and that is my favorite. Uh, cookie. Uh, Jonesy, what about you? Snickerdoodle? Snickerdoodle's a good cookie. That's a, that's a solid cookie. That's a yeah. good cookie. You got a good cookie there. Next up from Sorry Like Tom, uh, this is a good question for you, dad on the cast. Any Halloween plans? Uh, no. I, I will be handling out candy if people come around. Um, I'll be dressed as a someone in the waiting room at a hospital. Um, and uh, otherwise, what? hoping I'm going to have a mask on and I'm going to be in normal clothes. OK, <laughs> that could just and, be anyone in public anywhere in 2020. Yes. Uh, and and yes, I, I'm going to hope that no one rings the doorbell after 730 p.m. Yeah, apparently it was decided today in our household that we are not doing Halloween this year, uh, which I was surprised by. But I didn't question. I, I like I like how you put that in passive voice. <laughs> it was decided uh in terms of stress and blood pressure how good of a decision did i make by not watching the game yesterday asks sawyer like tom poor decision it was the first msu football game of 2020 you gotta watch yeah. that but in terms of stress and blood pressure i you know, i don't know honestly i do think there is something to the 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 you know, year zero sort of like this year doesn't matter. I mean, it clearly does matter, mm-hmm. but I would have, and maybe it's because my folks were here and I had to behave, but I would have, I think I would have been going off if I felt like the stakes were higher. It also helped that, uh, MSU was not really in the game at the end. So, uh, that makes things a little easier, you know? Sure. It's like that middle Tennessee basketball game, you know, in the in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Like, yeah. But if we kicked that was, field goal, we would have been in the game. Oh, my God. It's, it's, uh, it's, they scored one of their only touchdowns on a converted fourth down. But whatever. Uh, Sawyer, like Tom also asks, uh, would you rather 
have the rest of the games canceled due to COVID, thus giving us an 0-1-1 record, or play all the games and live with whatever terrible record we end up with? The latter. Always the latter. Yeah, dude. We're not cowards. That's a cowardly out, the first option. Cowardly. 2020 sucks. Like it, I, I would rather watch, I would genuinely rather watch bad MSU football and have that as something to look forward to than, than whatever we were doing for much of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, next up. Oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, okay. Ooh. Always <laughs> thinking 1835. What are your best ideas for a Big Ten themed game day snack? Uh, a butker is a, is a, as a great snack that um you take <laughs> what is, what a, is butker? a butker <laughs> what is a butker kevin is it a, is it an apple covered in chocolate sure <laughs> the, the no it's a chocolate it's a chocolate covered peach <laughs> <laughs> and it also tastes like butker uh, <laughs> there we go that's what the was best. the best halloween costume you ever wore uh i was a. Uh, Ash Williams from the Evil Dead in college. What about you? I can't remember. Yeah, you're Halloween <laughs> I'm not costumes. Really a, yeah, I'm not a Halloween costume Left guy. Left a lot to be desired. <laughs> Candy corn, yay or nay? From always yay! thinking. Yay! I think I went too hard on the candy corn one year, and now I look at the candy corn, and my body does like a retching type of thing. Was this a, a thing that happened in college? Likely. To have happened you, in college. Do you think there was um, a, a concurrence uh, with some alcohol consumption? No, because you can't like infuse candy corn, can you? Oh, I think you could do a lot of vodka and candy corn in the same night and conflate the two real fast. I'm familiar with vodka and like gummy bears, but I, I don't think I've ever tried to try to. Was there ever candy corn flavored vodka that was on no, sale? No, 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 no. I'm just merely I'm just, suggesting. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just asking no. that question. Unless Burnett's did something trippy. No, they should. We should, should. sell that idea to them. <laughs> Keep it secret. Don't don't yeah. let anyone know. Certainly not anyone who's listening to this. Yeah. Dear uh, Burnett's, we have a really great idea. Pay us now and then we'll tell you. what. Or it is. just sponsor the podcast and we'll say lots of good things about your vodka and how a Brita makes it better. Next up, Nick Kamansky. Tough loss. What are three positives you can take? from the loss moving forward. You know what? I, I want to say Nick uh, is a bit of a troll and I appreciate his questions this week. They were all kind. What are your three positives, Greg? Uh, I guess if I, even in spite of the, the two fumbles, Jaden Reed is yep. as, uh, as we were told that he would be. Um, I've got another one. The defense did implement a new scheme and it wasn't the worst thing that happened on a Saturday. Um, what about you? You assume, you assume there will be progress there. I think that's a fair place to say, ah, we might get better there. Mm-hmm. What about um, you? They got, uh, I would say, um, while he's not ready yet, Jordan Simmons, there's a reason that he was considered a, a top flight recruit for that class. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, Jalen Naylor, I would also say, you know, we've, we've had a small sample size of his performance, um, because he's been injured the past two seasons, but he made some heads up reads and also is clearly very fast. Mm-hmm. So 
it will be a bright spot as well. Next question from Nick Kamansky. Have you ever cried uncontrollably after a loss? He says, I have. So this is not a slight to one of our two uh, major contributing Michigan uh, trolls, but after the inaugural Big Ten championship game, that was the worst loss that I've ever experienced in my The Wisconsin loss? Yeah. The Wisconsin, Russell Wilson, arm punting, called back the garbage punt, uh, even though Keyshawn Barton had just returned the ball like unbelievably well. That was the the offsetting of perhaps my favorite moment in Spartan Stadium history that I've experienced in my lived experience. Yeah. Um Speak that truth, was buddy. the most difficult moment of my fandom uh to date. I did not cry, but it might be because I had nothing left to give at that time. Um, what about you? I have certainly cried after a loss. Um, it is hard for me to think of a specific time. And I think they, I would, I would hardly describe my tears as uncontrollable. Um, I, I will say I cried more and harder. The hardest I think I've ever cried about MSU sports was in 2019, knowing that the, the, um, March Madness was canceled. Like, and I, and that was, you just, the clips were going around about Cassius. And it just made me really sad. Um, like, I, I just, I, you know, I felt like he got robbed. But if, uh, I, I think I was definitely a bit heartbroken after the Bama schlacking uh, in the college football playoff. Uh, I would agree with you about Wisconsin. Um, and, uh, though I was more angry, I think I was more angry about that. And I, I gotta believe that I probably, I think after the Syracuse loss, I was in the basketballs. I was pretty mm-hmm. upset about that, mm-hmm. but, uh, cause I, miles was gone, you know, that was it. So, um, next question from Nick Kamansky. Did you do any of the things you said you would do following a loss to Rutgers? I don't remember what we said. Do you? No, I didn't expect to have to do them. So we're going to have to review the tape. (laughs) Yeah, or probably not. Uh, Next up, are you going to watch the game next weekend? Duh. Yeah. Next up, three guesses as to which (laughs) three guesses as to which game I most recently sobbed over. Hint, it was a triumphant moment for you, most likely. Whoa. Come on, buddy. Come on. Was this a trouble with the snap? I'm guessing. And was the ball free? I think it was picked up. Okay. We're not going anymore with that. Uh, Is it because you don't know it? No. I. Oh, my God. I obviously have heard it enough times. Is Prove that it. the most recent? Uh, no, actually, no. I think maybe, what, 2017? Yeah, we won another time after that. Yeah, we did 2017. It was a rainstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that Could was a rough game. Wins. Could use some more wins, though. Uh, next up from B-List. Also, Nick Kamansky. I'm sorry to hear that. The stakes were not that high in that game, which is... Yeah, I think it was trouble with a snap because I think stakes were higher in that game. But they were ranked... Were they ranked lower than us in that game? 
Yeah, but you know the hubris of that school, thinking they always are like. I'm trying to be nice to him right now. He just acknowledged to us that it, that game made him cry. Yeah, he was, I, uh, he was a sensitive. He's a sensitive little guy right now. Well, whoa! I'm trying to be nice in this one moment. His team's about whoa. to lose to a team that lost to Rutgers. I'm trying to be nice to him. <laughs> B-list. How many of the objects were thrown while watching Saturday's game? You were in 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 uh, you know in company, weren't you? One of the benefits you were too. One of the benefits of COVID is that you have to watch the games outdoors. Uh, we were in the garage, which is not the play we learned. You should watch the games during the day outside when the sun is out, and then move into the garage when the sun goes down. We learned. Uh, it's easier to do. You're not going to break anything. Uh, I The only thing that I was throwing was beer down my gullet, and I did a lot of that. So uh, I threw my hat several times. Uh, one, of, it, one of the people that came over had to go get a replacement hat uh, so that it was more acceptable to be thrown in a dirty garage. <laughs> great. Love that. Um, we're going to have to do a little bit of a lightning round here, but uh, Nate sees up next. Rutgers got a better coach than us for $1.5 million less annually. How? Nate, I, I reject your premise. Yeah, I reject it too. I think I think Tucker still could have a higher ceiling, but maybe we just... I for sure believe he has a higher ceiling. Lower floor, perhaps, uh, but higher well, ceiling. Lower It's hard to say that this is his floor. I mean, Shiano got hired earlier, mm-hmm. much earlier, and went hunting in the transfer portal because he could when we couldn't. Yeah. They had a bunch of new dudes. Remember that? Yeah, from so week? I mean, and I, I'm not saying we should have lost to him because we shouldn't never lose to Butkers. So but. next up, I, so I, I have take issue with the premise of this next question as well. When will MSU learn that they get the same on the field results for a lot less? I know that he had a big, uh, his last basically act as coach was to get a big bonus, but uh, Mark D'Antonio was underpaid relative to the market for his performance in those years that he was winning Big Ten championships and going to the college football playoff. You didn't read the whole uh, question, buddy. Oh, there's a whole second line. While bringing <laughs> while bringing back swimming, what else could we do with the money saved? Well, who cares about swimming? You're not going to realize that swimming's gone. And also, apparently, they're trying to save swimming. They're trying to do some hashtag save swimming thing oh who cares go to the coast guard Um, they'll let you swim yeah and pay for your college win-win uh but i i just i part of the problem is is that we felt like we needed to go spend because because mark d'antonio had elevated the status now if Mm -hmm. you if you want to constantly be playing the game that cincinnati's playing where you're relying on hiring the guy who's going to be the next guy and you hope that one of them sticks around like that's not the game MSU wants to be playing. And the reason we don't want to be playing that is because of Mark D'Antonio and what he what he showed we could do. So you hire someone like Mel Tucker, who's a proven recruiter. And yeah, it, maybe it goes south. It, it's possible. But the other thing you're going to see is coaching turnover. Like I expect Mel Tucker to make some coaching changes at the end of this season depending on what's available out there. There are higher expectations for him and he's being given more resources. And I think there's also, gonna be some changes. Nate, by the way, like you, you might be able to draw a bit of a causal line to Mel Tucker's salary and swimming being cut. 
But like, let's not pre- pretend that the intervening factor there wasn't COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So, and, and by the by, like, MSU would have probably been better off going over to the East Lansing community pool and swimming there than what they were staffing or what they were resourcing for the swim team on campus. Like, yeah, uh, those we didn't get into it because we didn't dedicate a segment to this, but all of these arguments about like Mel Tucker dollar amount, thus swimming. Yeah. Lot, it's like, bullshit. It's such garbage. It's such a garbage argument. It's in such poor faith. It's just like, yeah, look at you, Pat 40, by the way. We just want to, we just wanted another opportunity to point out how ridiculous, you know, college football salaries are. And that's fine. You can do that on its own though. You don't have to do this causal relationship thing of which there is no causal relationship. And by the all. way, who's, who's the guy at Iowa state who just got, uh, re-signed for a huge deal. Matt, I don't really? remember their names anymore. I, I took all of that out of my brain. I cast it aside. All I see is Mel Tucker now. But but I will also say that what's his face? I think it was Matt at Iowa State got signed to a much bigger deal. And he he's not getting the same flack after Iowa State cutting sports mm-hmm. that Mel Tucker's getting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just the timing because Big Ten football is coming back and MSU <laughs> didn't think this one through. But like I just it, this it's unfair to lay this at the feet of Mel Tucker. Um, and I will not stand for it. And I seem to have copied and pasted. I think I might be missing a question from Nate C, but we're not going to search for it. Sorry, Sorry Nate. Nate. Next up from John Hubbard. How much did you end up drinking during the game? Not that much, but it sounds like Greg did. I I did okay. I, I, I picked up the slack on that one. Uh, next up from John Hubbard. This week on the Bizarro Ferguson Show, Pilot. <laughs> what? Is this Joel Joel Ferguson? Yes. Joel watches from prison (laughs) as Hondo accepts his Pulitzer for his work exposing the shady land sale of Spartan Stadium or (laughs) Big 18 Kamish Ferguson is caught in a political firestorm when he's asked by the press to side with Senate Majority Leader Sabin or President President Gingrich, leading to the show's immediate cancelization. I hate everything about everything that you've done with this question, John. Raymond hate- hopped in and said, I've been stolen from. <laughs> uh, and it's the former. I think it's the former. Oh, my God. Hondo the- would fail into a Pulitzer. That is a thing that would happen. Just fall ass backwards into a Pulitzer. And yes. they're like, this is the first Pulitzer we've ever. Because uh, Ferguson Ferguson was too stupid to say this is off the record. Yeah. That we've ever given to a, a literally stupid person. Um <laughs> Next up from John Hubbard, does Slenderman dress as Grooch for Halloween? The answer is, I mean, that terrifies all the other slender children, right? There's nothing <laughs> scarier. Uh, That's Bill a huge self-own, by the yes. way. I got you. I got you. I'm just let you sit in it. Uh, Bill Hoffmeyer. Not intended, but whatever. Continue. Bill Hoffmeyer's up next. I've adjusted my 11-0 prediction to 9-2. and two. And I have us with two turnovers in the U of M game, which we will win 34 to 20. <laughs> Man after your own heart, Greg. My question? No question. Just saying. <laughs> we all knew it was going to be a rough year. Aside from the turnovers, which were horrendous, I did see some positives. Hashtag not a lot. Hashtag go green. Bill, I think we're probably kind of on the same page. 
We Cheers, did see Bill. some positives. Not a lot. <laughs> Cheers, Bill. I, I appreciate it. And it's, what's the yeah. other loss? He's gone from, wait, 11-0 to 9. Bill, there's not even going to be 11 games. Yeah, I, I, he, he's rolling. Just let him go. He's All rolling. Right. Next up is Mama Maple Leaf. My frenemy. First question. In order to be ready for U of M, what, what one play formation would you ingrain into the Spartans' offensive line, taking into account their lack of cohesiveness? Uh, uh, first of all, I don't think cohesiveness is the problem here. I think it's their lack of good. Yeah. Uh, blocking. I mean, it's not really it's not a, a formation, formation, but it, I mean, I mean, blocking, just forget the formations. Just, just stop the other guys from getting into the, into the quarterback's face or into the running back's face, three yards behind the line of scrimmage, please. Yeah, generally speaking, when the other person pushes you, you shouldn't stride back three yards and fall on your butt. Mm-hmm. Um, next up from Mama Maple Leaf. When spectators are allowed back into Spartan Stadium. Oh, this plum's missing this one. Too bad. You were given three tickets, one over the north end zone tunnel, one halfway up the student section, and one in the middle of the marching band. How do you distribute the tickets for you and your co-hosts? Go. Well, Jonesy, you need that student section one. We got to get Hell you yeah, back buddy. on campus. We, I'd love to take the student section one. I got to give it to you because we need to get you reconnected. All right, yep. mm-hmm. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Plum in the marching band because I think I think he's got a lot in common with the marching band folk. How and then, how long do you think it takes before he gets the conductor out of there and starts conducting on his own? That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's where I'm at, that's where I'm going. And then um, I'll take the one over the north end zone tunnel, even though I've been up in that area and it's not my favorite spot. I'd rather be on the south end zone. Um, or, you know, wherever else I'm watching the game. So uh, what do you think, Josie? Any changes to that? Uh, I would put you in the marching band because I think that's, you know, you got a lot of roots there. And I think mm-hmm. that would make people happy for you to just okay. be amongst it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine, too. Yeah, that's what I got. Next up for Mama Maple Leaf, number three. What's the jack-o'-lantern symbol you carve into your pumpkin this year? The Trojan head symbol, the black ass, or Gruff Sparty? I assume that the Trojan head symbol you mean the Spartan helm. The Spartan helm symbol, yeah. Mama yeah. Maple Leaf. Uh, but I'll be doing a butt because <laughs> until we no longer play like butt, our logo should be a butt. What do you got? I miss you, Bartans, Batans. Um, I, you know, I've got uh, gruff, sparty aspirations and black ass skills. So that's probably <laughs> where I go. All right. What do we got Finally, next? From Sam Zill for you, Jonesy. It's been a couple of weeks since you've received, since we've received an update on your fantasy teams. How is week seven going for you? Ugh. Zill, great, great question. So, first of all, uh, sadly, I am losing currently to some floozy in one league. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to play in this league again because somehow defenses continue to score stupid amounts of points against me. It's dumb. It's dumb. 
This person. So now, we're moving on. Next up from Sam Zell. Oh, after on, hearing we the need news, to say I'm crushing Greg in the other <laughs> league. After hearing the news about MSU Swim and Dive, I imagine the pod 70. has been struggling with some pretty intense feelings of guilt, grief, and regret this week. What are you? Uh, where are you on the emotional scale of John L at OSU halftime to Rich Rod while Josh Groban plays in the background? Excellent question, but I reject your premise. I have no feelings of guilt, grief, and regret. End of yeah, story. They're trying to Patreon it or something. So Sam Zill, go ahead and lift them up. Only on, fans. On OnlyFans. And that's uh that's Twitter questions. That's Twitter questions, and that's an episode that you know went long, but frankly, what do you do when you lose to Rutgers? Uh <laughs> Greg, we got it's hate week. It's officially hate week. Which is perfect because I already hate myself. So yes. and with that <laughs> just roll that forward. <laughs> buddy, go green. Go white, Jonesy. Oh, everyone, vote. Go vote. Oh. Yeah, do that. Uh, you can still, I think you can still register to vote uh, absentee, but you have to drop it off now or something. Look it up in Michigan or just go to the polls, wear a mask. Thank you. Vote.org. Yep. Go white. Go green. Go green, go white. Just see, go keep vote. saying go white. It'll go over real well. Go, go vote. Go green, go vote.